Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's love him. Worship the Lord with gladness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord if you're thankful for what you feel in this house. Hallelujah. I, I think we ought to really give God praise. I'm thankful for his presence. I'm thankful that God moves in the midst, hallelujah, of just ordinary people. An extraordinary God with ordinary people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody shout glory. Hallelujah. I do feel that this is a wonderful atmosphere to preach the Word of God. At this time, we would like to dismiss our Sunday school teachers and students to their classes. Amen. I'm thankful for what God has been doing in our midst in the last few months. And uh, He's really been moving in a mighty way, just bringing people. And uh, we want to extend a warm welcome to all of our guests and visitors. We're so glad that you're in the house of the Lord with us here today. All of our returning guests and visitors. We want to encourage you to be in the house of the Lord with us on Wednesday night. That's our Bible study night where we dig into the Word of God. And uh, we want you to come and grow with us in God in Jesus' name. And somebody said amen. Hallelujah. First John chapter 5 and verse number 4. First John chapter 5 verse number four. Amen. Praise the Lord. I really feel like God has given us a word for today, and uh, I want to do my best to deliver it to us here. First John chapter five and verse four, just one verse here this afternoon. For whatsoever or whosoever is born of God, overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith I want to read that again for whatsoever or whosoever is born of God overcometh the world do we got any overcomers in the house of God here anybody got a testimony that God has helped you to overcome amen he said and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith was the avenue in which we got victory, and victory helped us to become overcomers in Him. It all started with faith. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. I am victorious. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, with a smile on your face, I am victorious. Turn to your other neighbor, point, him, point right at him and tell him, you are victorious. Somebody clap your hands and shout unto him with a voice of triumph. Come on, let's magnify him. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. I am victorious I have had it on my heart for quite a while to preach along these lines I do my best to uh, study to gain more information because a church can only go as far as the leader is going and so I'm constantly studying constantly reading constantly listening to 
uh, books and, and different things. They're learning all sorts of things. I, I've, I've just determined I, I'll be a jack of all trades, master of none, but I'll do my best to bring to us uh, what, what I believe God has given us. This message is born uh, mainly out of prayer. I believe that God has spoken to me uh, directly about this, and I want to help somebody get victory today. Does anybody really want to get victory? You know, live victoriously, uh, go to work victoriously, have a marriage that's victorious, have your kids got victory. I believe you can have that today. And, and, and a part of this came from study. I read an article. Uh, there was some sociologists, Bradley Campbell and, and Jason Manning, and they have produced and they've done a study of the first theoretical analysis of the moral culture called victimhood that is currently emerging in our culture today. Central to their interesting and thought-provoking investigation is the claim that moral cultures tend to take on one of three forms. There is the honor culture, there is dignity culture, and then finally there is the victim culture. In the honor culture, there's many that can immediately think back to different societies, and, and maybe even there might be some here today that were raised in this kind of environment. In the honor culture, it begins to emerge when a centralized state authority is not present. If there is a, a form of lawlessness, not legitimate, uh, when people are materially vulnerable under these conditions, individuals will take offense very easily, grow quickly fearful, and engage in higher rates of defensive preemptive aggression as well as vigilante justice in order to settle their disputes this is why we live in Carson City Nevada home of the wild wild west where it was honor culture it was lawlessness and if you spilled your drink on me at the saloon right in Virginia City at the Bucket of Blood Saloon, I would take you out to the street and we would have a draw because you offended my honor. Now, it's not just something that was only relegated to, uh, you know, the last hundred years. This is, uh, we have other cultures across our world that still today are based off of an honor culture. In a worst case scenario, uh, we find that they have uh, that, that aggression that is preemptive. Basically, I'll attack you before you would get the chance to attack me. It can develop into bloody feuds. It can turn into the Hatfields and the McCoys. It has uh, enveloped whole families, gangs, and lineages where they will continue on because somewhere along the lines our honor got hurt. Physical bravery, respect to the powerful, and an unwillingness to appear weak and vulnerable consequently become paramount values in the honor culture. We all can think of somebody that either was raised that way or might still be that way. However, in a dignity culture, individuals resort to legal authority when disputes and wrongdoings are sufficiently severe. But for minor offenses, they make an effort to resolve the dispute privately and in a nonviolent manner. All citizens are assumed to have a sense of dignity and self-restraint. And everyone is expected to, at least at first, to be given the benefit of a doubt to see if the conflict can be resolved peacefully. 
in the dignity culture, you would hear it on a playground. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. In other words, if I've got dignity, it does not matter what you do or what you do to me. I will still have my dignity. However, Campbell and Manning contend that when a state authority begins to exert monopolizing control over population that is increasingly diverse, uh, it creates and, and this victimhood culture begins to emerge. And I want to talk about this culture for just a moment here today. Victim culture shares a sensitivity to slights or insults just like the honor culture. But there is a distinct difference with those in the honor culture. They might try to retaliate both physically and otherwise. However, individuals in a victim culture instead appeal to a powerful, omnipresent state or legal authority. We see this in communist Russia and communist China. In contrast to the honor culture that expects victims to be strong and stern enough to defend themselves and the dignity culture that expects victims to be calm and charitable when in a dispute, a disagreement, the victim culture emphasizes how individuals are emotionally or fragile and they are weak and they are physically in incapable. They are vulnerable and they are not able. In order to have high status in this victim culture, one must perfect and dramatize a personal narrative of suffering. Does that sound like our present world today? By espousing one's own weakness, frailty, and suffering, this is the key to getting exalted in a victim culture. This would be seen as dishonorable or shameful in an honor culture. It would be seen as self-absorbed from a dignity culture perspective. In the victim culture, you must tally up your victim points to determine your rank, and have you heard this recently, your privilege. Uh, that's our world right now. This causes one to dwell on the worst things in their life and to only bring up what is going wrong in their world so that they somehow, some way, can find rank above everybody else in a culture that, that looks towards victimhood as somehow being honorable. Victim culture demands that you parade these facts as badges of victimhood honor. The less privileged you are in the eyes of other people, the more points that you are awarded. The less privileges you seem to have, the better off that you will be in the current mode and current society. Does that sound like our world right now? There's things called microaggressions where you could say the wrong pronoun and now you've offended somebody. And the truth is, is it doesn't matter whether or not you truly offended them. It's that they can now tally another point on their victim card. 
you notice, and I'm not here to be rude, please, you understand my heart, I love people, uh, but at the same time, this is why you are seeing cultures in the LGBTQR+, what they're doing is they're adding more and more and more distinct, uh, because everybody wants to be the most niche uh, thing that they can be, so they can claim uh, that they have the most victimhood, and when one takes over and wins the victim championship, now I've got to create another thing. I'm now, uh, you don't know my pronouns, and please call me uh, they. And, and, and there's things that people are doing, and I'm going to help somebody here today because it doesn't just go to those extremes. Uh, but if we're not careful, it will get into the mindset of people. It will make its way from the culture into the church. But as the pastor of Apostolic Revival Center, we are raising up a church uh, where people can walk in victory. I asked earlier, do you want to be victorious? You're in the right place. I want you to know you can walk in authority. You can walk in power. You can walk full of faith. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. This, this victim culture that is present in our world is now where we can tally up and we can see how we rank, not on our good qualities, not on the best of our life, but now we are able to come together as, as what is worst in our life. And, 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 and any time that somebody wants to get together with you based on what is worst in their life, run. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You need to find yourself, a, you got to find you some friends like Mark chapter 2 where he was lame, he was broken, he was busted, but he got four friends that weren't. Hey, you might be busted, but I want to tell you, you're in the right place because you got a church that will pick you up and get you to Jesus. We're not diminishing your victimization, but what we are saying is there is power for you. There is victory for you. I wish I had 30 people that would stand to their feet and clap their hands and say, God will make you victorious. Somebody needs a shout. If it was not for Jesus, where would you be? I can say for myself, had it not been for Jesus and the church of the living God, I might fall into that culture. Amen. I want to tell you, the church is a powerful place. In the honor culture, you can become, and I want to, I want to help somebody. I don't believe in either th any, any of those three cultures. I think they're all wrong. Because there's a fourth culture, and it's called kingdom culture. Hallelujah. Well, it's just how I was raised. Well, guess what? My Bible says you've got to be born again. Honor culture is where somebody can become easily offended. I want to tell you, when you get born again, easily being offended goes away. Because my Bible says, blessed are they that love thy law and nothing. Ain't nobody going to offend me out of heaven. You're going to have to drag me. Oh, you're going to. You can't offend me. You can't block me. I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm going to find my way to the streets of gold. You can, you can step on my toes. You can preach something I don't like, sing songs I don't care for, but I'm going to find my way to heaven. I refuse to be easily offended. If you're not careful, you'll bring honor culture into the church, and you'll be quick to retaliate. Well, that's just my nature. I'm here to pastor for just a moment. Well, it's just how I was raised. Well, you need to be born again. You need a new culture. You need to. 
I've never seen Jesus get, get whipped, get beaten, and punch him back. That's not how Jesus is. He doesn't retaliate. My Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. If you're not careful, honor culture will cause you to become tribal. You move in a unit. You move in a group. Everybody makes a consensus. You become sharp, cutthroat. There's roots of bitterness that get down in there, and they don't come out. In the dignity culture, for those that would say, well, I was raised in the dignity culture. I got news for you. It ain't good either. Because the dignity culture is individualistic, cares about number one. It easily ignores the suffering of others because it does not directly affect them. It can be dishonoring and it can be insensitive. And just because you say, well, it doesn't affect me, doesn't mean that you have the right to offend somebody else intentionally. If I offend you, my apologies. That wasn't my intent. But there's other people that use it as a right. I want to tell you, that kind of culture does not belong in the kingdom of God. And then finally, there's the victim culture, which focuses on the worst part of their life. It focuses on tragedy. It focuses solely on, amen, the victimization. And I understand. I want to be sensitive. I know what it is. I tell my testimony. But there's a difference between having a testimony and being a victim. Being a victim is, I can't get past 1985. Being a victim is, I can't get past 2000. 2003, uh, being a victim is uh, you're still living in the past uh, while everybody else moved on a long time ago. Uh, but when you got a testimony, uh, you can turn up and say, uh, let me tell you about what Jesus I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but Jesus came by and opened up my sight. Does anybody got a testimony? You might have been through trouble. You might have been through trials. You might have been through the hardest things of life, but you're in church today, and you're praising God. Can I tell you, that's a testimony. This is the issue with victimhood. And, 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 and just turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. You know, there's so many people, they, they want to claim victimhood. And uh, I'm pastorhood, not victimhood. But you know what, the true story, and this is what's really sad. And I just came to help somebody. I really, I really have felt like God wanted me to say this for a while. Because I really believe it's going to help somebody get victory. When you're in the victim culture, you're looking for something but you gained something you didn't look for. In the victim culture, what everybody really wants is power. When you're a victim of abuse, you want power over your abuser. I know what it is. I come from a drug home. I've come from a background where I, I, I know what it is to feel victimized in life. But at the same time, you can get trapped there because you want power, but you settle for pity. Oh, hallelujah. And power and pity are not the same thing. Somebody said amen. Power and pity don't belong together. You can have power or you can have pity, but you cannot have them both. Oh, 
Hallelujah. I came to help somebody. Amen. There's some folks, what you're really looking for is power to be an overcomer. What you're really searching for is power to be victorious. Don't settle for pity. Don't settle for people looking at you and checking your your, stab, your, your victim card. No, 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 no. Can I help somebody that knows my testimony? Don't pity me. I'm blessed. Don't pity me. I got power from God to come up out of it. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Somebody make it up in their mind. I'm going to get power, and I'm going to get it from God. I'm going to get victory, and it's going to come by the faith that I have in Jesus. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's magnify him. Come on, I came to help somebody here this afternoon. There's some folks that you have been asking God, amen, to help you, and he's here today, and he's going to help you. But you got to let go of, of accepting pity and say, God, I don't want pity. I want power to change. I don't want to just have. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray right now. See, there, there was a man in the book of Acts chapter 3 who was lame from his mother's womb. And the Bible says they laid him daily. Thank God for good friends. Amen. Thank God for good people that will bring you to church. I thank God for the day that somebody picked me up as a 13-year-old boy and took me to church. In spite of what I've been through, they took me to a place where there was power. He was laid not daily at the bar. He wasn't laid daily at the sporting event. He was laid daily at the house of God. If there's ever been a place for the hurting to come, it's Apostolic Revival Center. If there's ever... They might be confused about their gender, but bring them to church. They might be confused about their sexual orientation, but bring them to church. Because if you can get them here, I believe that God can give them power. I believe that God... Anybody can testify. I once was on drugs, but Jesus. I, can anybody testify if it was not for somebody bringing me to the house of power? This man in Acts chapter 3, he came, and every day, his whole life, they laid him there, and they said, beg for change. Just beg for change. I have no doubts, Elder Bobo, that man would have loved to change but he had to settle for some change he would have loved to come and and walk out free and delivered what he wanted was power but he settled for pity oh, amen there's a whole world out there that they're settling for victimhood they're settling for pity amen to feel sorry amen i, I thank god i do want to tell you there's some good news pity ain't all bad the bible says as the father pities their children so the lord pities us amen god looks down and pity is nothing more than compassion for what somebody's going through i don't want to be insensitive god really does look down with pity but god only looks down with pity so that he can hopefully catch your eye and he can say i didn't come to give you pity i came to give you I came to give you power, amen, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. Can I preach? When you get baptized in Jesus' name, you get power. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you get power. When you come and live a righteous, godly life through Jesus, you don't get pity from God. You get Oh, somebody clap your hands and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. 
This man in Acts chapter 3, he got used to getting pity. Nobody could fix where he was. And so they just, they just threw him some change. And I think there's something to be said for people that are charitable. Thank God. I think the church ought to be charitable. But, but at the same time, I thank God for Peter and John. Who came by. And they said, hey, he looked on them to receive something. He was looking for some pity. Just, just give me enough to get by. Just give me enough to get through another week. A little encouragement from Instagram. No, no, no. You don't need encouragement from Instagram. What you need is power. You don't need 50 likes and 50 comments on how pretty you are about the post. You weren't certain whether you should post because you didn't think you looked good. You don't need affirmation from other people. What you need is power. And power only comes from Jesus. Power only comes from the one that made you. Oh, I wish I had somebody that would praise God. There's power in this house. There's victory in this house. There's authority from God in this house. That man in Acts chapter 3, he said, I just look to receive a little change. I'm busted and I'm broken. And the Bible says that Peter and John looked on him and said, look at us. If you're looking for change, not some change. Silver and gold, we don't have that. You know what? Amen. I, I, I don't know if they didn't have silver and gold in their pocket. But I do know they said we, we could give you pity. But pity and power don't go together. What you want is victory. What you want is liberation. What you want to be is free of drugs. What you want to do is be free of pornography. This... You don't need everybody to surround you and cry with you and pity you. What you need is power to be an overcomer. Oh, somebody shout. Amen. God came into this house and sent this preacher to tell you, you can have victory. You can have power. You can be victorious. Brother Jonathan. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, rise up and walk. You know what our world needs? Not pity. They don't need a hand out. What they need is a hand up. And the moment that Peter and John stretched their hand down, that man said, I got a decision to make. It's either going to be pity or power. And he reached back to the man of God. He reached back to the church of God. He reached back for the power of God. And they pulled him on his feet. Can I preach? When you come to church, we're going to pull you up on your feet. And when you stand, you're going to have ankle bones that hold the weight. Oh, somebody stand across this building and clap your hands unto the Lord. God's pulling people up right now. God's pulling people up out of drug addiction. God's pulling people up out of pornography addiction. God's pulling people up out of depression. God's pulling people up out of a victimhood mentality. God's pulling people up right now. Oh, somebody magnify him. They grabbed him by the hand. And he reached back. And they pulled him up. And everybody's got a decision. Hallelujah. Praise God. They're messing with the city water again. They always do it on Sunday, never on Tuesday. Always when I'm preaching. Praise God. That's right. I'll preach anyways. Maybe the city needs power. I don't know. I will say that. Carson City needs power. They need Holy Ghost power. 
And you know where they're going to get Holy Ghost power? From Holy Ghost people. Not poor me. Look like I sucked on 11 for six months. I gotta live for God. No. You know what people need? They need an apostolic person that goes across this city and this region with a smile on their face. What do you smile for? It's it's coronavirus season. I'm smiling because I'm on my way to heaven. What are you smiling about? I got victory. Well, the stock market crash. My treasure is not on earth, but my treasure is in. You see people that got victory? This is why some people don't understand worship. They don't understand worship, especially when they know what somebody's been through. I'll prove it to you. The Bible says that there was a woman that had been possessed of devils. She had prostituted herself, and she was at the feet of Jesus, and she was breaking open this box of ointment and anointing the feet of Jesus in worship. And you know what they said? They said, if he only knew what kind of woman this was, which lets me know they knew what kind of woman she was. They knew her pests better than other people. They thought there's no way after all that she would have enough strength to worship Jesus. There is no way after what you've been through. Some of y'all got family members that have been watching you and saying there's no way that they'll be able to praise God. I got news for you. Don't pity me. I got power. I got victory. I got I wish somebody would dance for about 30 seconds and give God praise. Give Him great praise. Somebody lift up your hands. Somebody magnify the Lord right now. There's power in this house. There is victory in this house. You don't got to leave full of victimhood mentalities. You don't got to leave saying, poor me. You can walk in this building depressed and suicidal. Been there and done that. But you can walk out with power. You can walk out saying, I am victorious. I'm not defeated. I'm not beat down. I'm not depressed no more. Why? I got power and it's full of glory. I got power and it's preacher right here but there was a man in John chapter 5 who for 38 years brother Johnson was laid at a pool there's a theme with all these people they have every reason to stay down there's people in this building you have every reason according to society to claim victimhood and stay down I can't come up well, you just don't know, Brother John, the past I come from. You don't know the family I come from. I just can't do it because, you know, my parents never went to college. I can't go to college. And, you know, they never owned a house. I can't own a house. And, you know, they were always broke and they were uneducated. So I'll always. But 
you know what? 38 years. Everybody knew how messed up this man was. 38 years. He was the man at the pool of Bethesda. And when Jesus showed up, because he does show up, I promise you this, he will always. Well, I don't know. He ain't coming yet. That's all right. You might be on the 37th year, but on the 38th year, he will. It might be year 37 and the 11th month and the 29th day, but Jesus will. Do I got anybody that can testify? Jesus will show up. Jesus shows up, and he didn't ask him, why you've been here for 38 years? Because Jesus knew, you're messed up. There's things wrong in your life. You're lame from your mother's womb. I get it. There's a lot of impotent people. There's a lot of people that are hurt. A lot of people that are blind. A lot of people that are halt. He knows. This is a place full of broken people. He's not going to come in. Let me just tell you. Amen. Don't be shocked by how broken our world is. It doesn't shock me when the world's the world. It shocks me when people get saved and say they're saved and they walk around with a limp. I want you to know that God can give you power. But here, he goes, I got one question for you. Wilt thou be made whole? Well, you know what Jesus was asking? There's a lot of things Jesus was not asking. What made you the way you are? Why you've been coming around here for 38 years? No, Jesus never asked him any of those questions. Jesus looked at the man and said, do you want to be whole? You want to know what happens when kingdom culture interacts with the cultures of this world? He doesn't ask for excuses. He doesn't ask, amen, for your story. He knows your story. He's been watching you for a long time. But when he shows up, Jesus shows up with the sole intention, what do you want from me? Do you want me to pity you like everybody else has for 38 years? Or do you want to have power and change? And this man, because we all get there, and this is where we're at today. This is what we're going to pray about. Some people need to come to the altar today and really work it out. What do you want from God? He'll give it to you. Do you want pity from God? Or he says, oh, man, they had so much potential. They could do it. Or do you want power to get up and walk home different? Do you want power to say, I once was lost, but now I'm found? I walked into church and I was struggling, but I walked out full of power. And I walked out knowing I can live better. I walked out knowing God loves me. I walked into, come on somebody, I want you to know it's available. And the Bible says the man immediately switched to pity mode at first. At first. I have nobody to put me in the water. That's what pity does. I have nobody else to do for me what I should be doing for myself. Now, he had every excuse and every right to say he couldn't do it. I've got issues, right? We don't look down on that. But, but, but he was trying to use that excuse on Jesus. And Jesus was saying, no, 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 those excuses don't work with me. Because I didn't ask you, amen, for your excuses. What I asked you for is, do you want pity or do you want power? And he said, well, but I don't have anybody, and everybody always gets there before me. And, and you know, I can't do it because I'm not as smart as everybody. And I can't do it because I, I don't make as much money as everybody else. And, and what was happening? He was speaking to Jesus from all of his deficiencies. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And he was blaming everybody else for why he couldn't. And Jesus gave him another opportunity. Do you want to be whole? 
Get up from where you are. Take up your bed and walk. Imagine this man who's laid for 38 years. Never been able to move. I always thought about these verses when I first got saved. Oh, that seems harsh, Jesus. But Jesus knew you can't have pity and power. Okay, you got, you got an option. You know, there's actually somebody I heard a preacher one time tell. They said, don't pray for me. I want to keep my benefits. Seriously, don't pray for me. I'm actually afraid God might heal me and I lose my pity. Uh, my family wouldn't, wouldn't take care of me the way they take care of me. No, 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 no. Sir, ma'am, you got to make it up in your mind. Uh, I don't want pity from God. Uh, I, I thank God for compassion, but I want power. I want power. Holy Ghost power. I want a power to live right. I want power to talk right. I want power to walk right. I want power, amen, to do better. I want power to live above what my family said I could live above. I want power to excel. I want power to get educated. I want, come on, somebody, I'm preaching to you right now. And that man, though he didn't think he was able, that man stood up on his feet and he said, Well, if Jesus said I could have power, I'm going to stand up, and from that day, 38 years and counting, he stood up with power. He took his bed and said, no more pity for me. I'm not a victim. I got victory. Somebody clap your hands if you come in this house and you want victory. Somebody magnify him. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? When you come, you got to answer the question. What do you want from God? Do you want pity or do you want power? Do you want victory or do you want to stay the way you are? You will walk out this building either with pity or with your bed and say, I'll never go back the same. I'll never live the same. I'll never talk the same. I'll never act the same. I'll never think the same. I got power. I got power. Somebody magnify him. Somebody magnify him. You're getting power right now. You're getting power right now. It's power that Jesus gives. Give you glory. I give you praise. Because the enemy did not try. Give you praise for the enemy. Did not triumph. The enemy did not triumph. So glad 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 the enemy did not triumph. I give you glory. I give you praise. Cause the enemy did not triumph.
Somebody praise him. You know what praisers do? They got power. I got power. What are you dancing for? Don't you know what you've been through? Yes, I know what I've been through. But I'm an overcomer. And I got victory. Satan under my feet. And I, I declare I got victory. 